Yo, everybody, this is Jeff Fab from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Diary of the Madman. What's up? And welcome to another edition of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, where we geek out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I'm Josh Kremen. He's Mr. Dan Drago. Dan, the album is out, man. How's it going, dude? Good. I feel like the Joker, dude. I've had a smile plastered on my face for a motherfucking week, my man. Dude, same here. And I know it's the same for most of our listeners. It's not fucking stopped for a week. I know my family's sick of it already. Right. I know my wife is sick of it. But I can't fucking stop listening to patient number nine, man. I don't want to stop. That's right. It is fucking amazing. And we are so excited to be able to break down every song because that's what we're here for. Let's be honest. We're not just a generalized metal site. We are your true Ozzy Osbourne geek out, freak out. Let's talk about all of the minutia that Josh and I do. Exactly. You know, we could have done one episode and covered the whole rest of the album that we haven't spoken about yet. But for Dan and I, we can't get all of our thoughts and ideas about one track in in a five minute segment. (laughs) This is not enough. We got to fucking go full throttle. So it was actually Dan's idea. Hey, man, let's do one episode per track. And if it takes us a month to release them, if it takes us a week to release, whatever, let's just fucking do one episode per track and really break down each track and enjoy the moment that we're fortunate enough to be living in right now, that we have new Aussie material in 2022. Dan, I know I speak for you when I say I never dreamed this was going to happen in 2018 when Aussie announced the No More Tours tour. And me and you were so upset because we wanted an album so bad. Wow. And Aussie had even stated, I want to do a new album, but no, I'm going on tour. And we're like, fuck. And who knew then that the weird strange of events, which unfortunately is health is a huge part of it, but with the turn of events, the light has shined down from the Lords and we have two new Aussie albums since 2018. It's fucking excellent, man. It's amazing. And I'll be honest, thank God for Andrew Watt. Cause I'm telling you without Andrew Watt, we wouldn't have another Aussie album. Not one. I think he might've died. And I hate to say that. I just don't know if he would have mentally survived. Andrew Watt is an angel. He is writing great material. He fucking shows Ozzy so much respect. He understands what fans want in an Ozzy record. People that are not listening to this, quite frankly, are just not giving him a chance because he's a quote-unquote pop producer, which is stupid because we've talked about it ad nauseum. He's a blues guitar player, was in a great band called California Breed with Glenn Hughes. The guy knows what the fuck he's doing, and he's a good player, man. He's a great player and a great songwriter. Like you said, he is listening to the fans. I mean, Ordinary Man was a great record. We agreed his best record since Osmosis in our opinions. But how can you up the ante? Well, the one complaint was it's not quite heavy enough. Andrew Watt said in one interview I watched, I'm sure you've seen it also then, that that was Sharon's request. She said, the one thing I want different, Andrew, I want this one to be heavier. And while you do, you bring Zach back, Tony, Iommi, fuck it. It's instantly heavier and it's fucking slams, man. It's fucking great. And like you said, without that guy, we wouldn't be sitting right now talking about all this. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I'm head over heels with this new record is that I know you are. It's getting great reviews just about everywhere I've read. And I've read a shit ton of reviews is giving it a four out of five review. So I'm super excited for Ozzy. It does not look like he's going to hit his number one, Josh, though, unfortunately, here in America or in the UK. Yeah, we're in the UK. Yeah, we were looking that you found some numbers in america and sent them to me last night and i found some from the uk and sent them to you so (laughs) it's kind of funny but it appears that robbie williams has the uk locked up for a number one but ozzy does look solid in the 
UK for a number two, which would still be his greatest charting ever as a solo artist in the UK. So you know, nothing to complain about. And when you're 73 years old and you're charting the highest numbers you've ever charted, that's still kind of impressive. Yeah, no question. I'm super excited for him. And in America, it looks like Bad Bunny definitely has the number one spot locked up. And Ozzy is in a battle with a rapper named Naz for the number three spot. So right now, Ozzy is sitting in two, but it's very neck and neck. But here's the thing I want to bitch about. There's two things I'm going to bitch about. I'm going to go on my rant here for a second. One, if you look at albums sold, Ozzy has outsold the whole top 10 combined in physical products, and he's not going to be the number one product. Bad Bunny has only sold 1,900 copies this week, and that was uh, through yesterday. And he is going to be credited for 95,000 units. I mean, that's all streaming. Where Ozzy has sold so far 59,000 units of physical copies, and he's going to be credited with 63,000 units. So it just goes to show you, first of all, metal fans really don't stream very much. I mean, he's only getting a 4,000 kicker off streaming, which I think is quite low because who do you not know that doesn't stream in this day and age, quite frankly? And number two, can you believe how little these other artists are actually selling? That's rant one what do you think josh agreed 100 the proof is in the pudding 1900 fucking units and you're gonna be number one on the billboard top 200 and like think i about swear to that. god there's some artists in the top 10 that i've sold 50 units i sold more than 50 units in a week with my fucking band I back know. in the day it's right. fucking crazy to me but like you said the streaming are just absolutely through the roof and that goes to show you too probably the age difference with the audience to touch the older generation still buys a lot of vinyl they still buy cds and that's your aussie mostly generation right i mean there's still kids that listen to Aussie, but most of us are middle-aged at least. And then with Bad Bunny, I mean, I'm just going to be real blunt here. I'm 42. Who the fuck is Bad Bunny? Like, what yeah. the fuck? Aussie the w- is missing I, out on a number one billboard because of Bad fucking Bunny. Like, yeah, I think shit? he's actually a Spanish rapper. I'm not, I only know him because he was in the WWE for a bit too, wrestling. Dan and I have discussed this privately. Ultimately, if he lands at two in the UK and two in the US, it's still a massive achievement. It's his all-time highest chart topper solo that he's ever had. So at the age of 73, to still be a number two billboard artist, that's fucking huge, right? This hit me this morning. I was telling my kids about it on the way to school, actually, and it kind of clicked with me. I think the one thing that Black Sabbath has done that Ozzy hasn't done is the number one album. And I wonder sometimes if that's why it's to just crawl a little bit. Like, I've done it with Sabbath, but I'm fucking right there solo. Like, I just want that so bad that way I can say Sabbath hasn't done anything that I haven't done. You know, he's been wanting it, though, even before 13 hit number one. He's been saying it for a long time that he's wanted a number one record as a solo artist. Well, Paranoid was number one in the UK, but still, yeah. right? Yeah. So what do you think, though, that he's only getting a 4,000-unit boost for streaming? Does that oh, seem a little mind. low, though? It seems really low. I have two theories on it. One, Patient Number 9 was a seven-plus-minute song. Song. I mean, you've discussed this privately. Probably too long for a first single. We love the song. Man, it's a grower. Man, is it a grower. And like, I mean, you both agree. It's like all-time classic, under the graveyard, fucking Miracle Man style. Like, this is a great fucking Aussie song. But at seven plus minutes, I don't know that you stream it as much as you would, say, a song like Immortal, which is a three-minute track where it leaves you wanting more. When Patient Number 9 is done, most listeners are ready to move on to the next track. Immortal finishes, if it was the lead single, you would literally restart Immortal like immediately. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just so brief that you feel like you haven't had enough of it yet. But don't you think there are more people streaming Ozzy, this record in general? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, only a 4,000 unit boost. I don't understand where Bad Bunny is going from 1,500 copies to 95,000 because of streaming. And Ozzy's going from 59,000 to 63,000. Yeah. I, I, I mean, up. I know the kids stream, but where the fuck is our metal fans? And like you said, we stream. I stream all fucking day at work. Me too. <laughs> 
This album has been on Spotify all day. Yeah, yeah let's be clear. We yeah. stream Ozzy all fucking day. I know. <laughs> You know, another theory I have on this also one run by you, Dan, as far as the streaming numbers go, we agreed on our last episode. Nothing feels right. Felt late in its release. It did. I think that was a fuck up because had that song been released two weeks earlier, for one, it made a splash. That song went over really fucking good with the listeners. Like, I think everybody has everyone loved, that song. loved that song. Right. And I think had they released that two weeks earlier, you have two more weeks of streaming on that single that they yeah. just missed out on. I don't I don't understand that decision unless it was just I, I, I don't know. I'll never understand what the reasoning was for that massive delay between degradation rules and nothing feels right. Agreed. And here's my rant number two. Where are the metal guys? I mean, I just don't understand why the metal community isn't rallying around Ozzy fucking Osbourne. I know they love to rip on him and they have a problem with him, but what we're doing is we're hurting each other because if you noticed when Ozzy was just cut off after 10 seconds on NBC with his halftime show, metal is still not in pop culture. I mean, it couldn't be more clear than watching that Thursday night football game last week. And metal people still can't rally around Ozzy. I knew the magic number was going to be 100 grand, which he should have been able to get. But there's so many fucking metal heads that have their head up their ass that hate this guy for no fucking reason. Stuff that they claim happened 40 fucking years ago. And I'm just so goddamn tired of it. And I blame you, the metal community, for Ozzy not getting the number one. Nobody else but you. Yeah, I agree totally. And the more we can get everyone to rally around Ozzy and what he's doing, and any hard rock artist who's doing well, it's always, I've called it cannibalism. The minute a band gets a little mainstream success, people start hating on them yeah. in the metal community, and it's always fucking killed me. But we need to rally around this. Yeah, but you have people like Eddie Trunk, who I'm a fan of his show, but badmouths Ozzy continuously on his show, and he should be rallying around and pumping him up because, like it or not, Ozzy is still the face of our fucking music that we love, and we should be doing everything we can to get him over just to yeah. show relevancy to the shit that we love instead of yeah. getting your head up your ass about it's a pop producer oh the fucking there's auto-tune show me one record that doesn't have fucking auto-tune in it on 2022 exactly and like you said just for the metal community hey a heavy metal record is number one this week that's fucking huge it, I don't is, care who huge. it is yeah you know, I agree. so and Bad Bunny's been number one for however many weeks straight, but Ozzy dethroned that, and that's something we should rally around. But speaking of that, that also leads us to our next point that we want to discuss real quick before we get into this week's topic, which is obviously the halftime show of the NFL on NBC football game on Thursday Night Football. Many metalheads did tune in to see Ozzy, and it felt definitely like a snub, Dan. I mean, there's no two ways to deny it. I was in the middle of New York City and went back to my hotel room just to fucking watch it, and they legit showed Ozzy for like 12 fucking seconds. And furthermore, like you mentioned to me, during the broadcast wouldn't even hardly say his fucking name i'm gonna let you get into that because i know that really fucking got under your skin but what's your initial thoughts on the appearance of ozzy for a lonely 12 seconds during thursday night football dude i was so fucking hot last week and i know you were too you should have seen josh and i talking i was fucking pissed i knew something was up watching the game because i kept asking my son who was watching the game and i'm a big football fan but i kept asking him because he knows i'm an ozzy fanatic and really i mean i was glued to the tv for ozzy i mean ozzy trumps football by a million to one and I was like, have they mentioned Ozzy playing yet? He's like, no, Pop. And I was like, hey, you know, have they, have they mentioned Ozzy yet? He's like, no, Dad. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then when they said, coming up, a rock legend, I was like, I don't even understand why they're not saying his name. And I still don't understand it. I don't understand why NBC decided to show 12 seconds of Ozzy Osbourne 
And you know, if that was Bad Bunny, he'd still be on rapping. And I just don't understand why the big fuck you and middle finger to the metal community, which is exactly what it was. I don't think it was an Aussie thing. If that was Priest, if that was Maiden, they would still have been treated the same way. And again, it goes back to our point that the metal fans should be pissed off and should have shoved a finger right back to them by putting Ozzy number one. Agreed totally. And I do think NBC got a ton of fucking slack for it. I know I went online and read all kinds of fucking tweets and shit. People will just fuck you. Yep. A lot of people tune in just to see Ozzy. People don't care about football. They're like, I watched this shitty fucking game for 60 minutes only to see 12 seconds of Ozzy or whatever. And they never came out and formally said anything. That's what I didn't understand. NBC never addressed it. They let it slide. I did read one guy or I saw a video that he said that it was available on Peacock in full performance. I don't know if that's true or not. Peacock is NBC streaming app. I, I don't, don't know. So. I'm not sure either. They definitely never said for the full performance, tune into Peacock. They, they definitely never said that. A hundred percent, Josh. They yeah. would have said that. And it wouldn't have taken days for the performance to finally show up. Yeah. Now I will say that said, now that it's said and done and we're over the frustration of how brief it was, it was still a net positive because his name was mentioned during the broadcast. They did mention the new album. One thing that I saw Listeners, let us know if you saw this or not. Dan did not get this. He lives in Phoenix. Ryan lives in Chicago. He didn't get it. I was in New York City. After the performance, they did show a commercial for the record during the commercial break. So that was kind of cool. And it had clips of the video of one of those days for the commercial. It was essentially the clip that Ozzy put on his Facebook page like the day before or whatever. So it was a net positive. They did mention the record that he had one coming out and blah, blah, blah. And, but definitely felt like a slap in the face to the metal fans for sure that tuned in to see Ozzy perform. Yeah, no question about it. And I still don't understand what they were thinking. But at the end of the day, they did release it. I hope everybody got to watch it. And of course, like I had told you and Josh had told you before the show that Ozzy was going to be having tape, which he did. But they're not going to have a 73-year-old guy up there without some tape who can barely stand up. That's just the reality of it. But I do believe in my heart, if we were going to see Ozzy at Kentucky, you know, whatever he performs in Kentucky or in Phoenix that he would not be using tape on a regular concert. He did not use tape on 13. I don't care what some DJs say. And I don't think he would if I saw him today at a real show, if he ever, you know, God willing, is able to do that again. Yeah, agreed totally. And I'm not so sure there wasn't a live mic. I went back and forth on it. Oh, I think there is. Um, the verses sound almost too perfect on patient number nine. The verses are fucking really good. But when it goes to that course, man, if you watch that video close, he's got like veins popping out in his head. He is trying his best to sing his ass off during those choruses, man. And I I think he did have a live mic going. I don't think it's primarily what we hear, but I do think he knows he is at least singing and he's trying everything he can. But that said, the performance was still really fun. That's cool. He got to put it on his YouTube page and stuff for us to be able to view for eternity now. It may be the only ever live performance of patient number nine at all, right? So that's kind of pretty fucking cool. I did hate a little bit that they kind of did the music video style added on it where they put like the slow motion footage of Ozzy during certain parts. And it's almost like the live and loud DVD. I know you're not a big fan of that either, Dan. And they did kind of go that route with the editing on it. But I think ultimately they just wanted to make it as good a production as they could, just in case it is the only labor live footage we have of patient number nine. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is Ozzy standing still, like we talked about. I think Ozzy not being able to move around and stuck to the microphone in one place, they had to try to make it as exciting as possible. Yeah. And I think that yes. was the genesis behind that. I agree. Use slow motion footage of him because there was moments he would kind of bounce and stuff and they yeah. were putting like slow motion and just to kind of fill space and make him look more involved. Yeah. And another thing I want to throw out there for me, I thought it was really fun to see Andrew Watt up there with him. Watt's fucking having a blast. I love wearing I love pajamas, him. wearing his pajamas and yeah. white shoes. And <laughs> you know, we love our guy, Tommy Clefetis. He's fucking the man. The and man. I love Chris Chaney on bass, dude. He sounded great. He's yeah. got a beautiful tone. 
I had texted you that watching a bunch of the fan videos that were on cell phone because there was a bunch of them online. I was like, dude, I'm really digging this live band. And yeah. then once the video came out, you're like, fuck, I'm loving Chris Chaney, man. Loving Chris so Chaney on this. Yeah. Shout out to our man, Ryan, who messaged us and said, guys, love it all. But there's just no denying when Zach Wild gets on the stage, he commands the fucking stage. That was Ryan's exact words. And Dan and I couldn't agree more. Once Zach comes out, it's a whole other level of fucking awesome. Seeing all those guys up there together, man, playing Crazy Train, it was fucking fun, man. It was, it was a good time. It kind of answers the question, and I've always wanted Ozzy sometimes to be a two-guitar band. Because I think he calls yeah. for it. And that was one of the rare times it's happened before, but that was one of the rare times we got to see Crazy Train with two guitar players. Crazy Train for sure. There's a few, you know, the Sabbath tracks. Sometimes Adam Waitman will do some rhythm or something. Yeah. But yeah, it's fucking. But you know, fans, if you're going to watch video of the halftime show and you're not watching Ozzy's official one, there's one thing I want you all to look out for and see if Dan's seen this. I bet he did. But when they're performing Patient Number Nine and Zach walks on stage, he almost trips back behind the drums. Which <laughs> <laughs> So good. <laughs> I was like, if Zach would have fallen right there, that would have been fucking. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him to fall and fucking ruin the performance. Of I don't mean like that. But that would have been Legendary. an epic fucking moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he 100% trips on something back there. I'm sure some cables or something, you know, like we all do. But. And I'm sure the reason Zach didn't play on patient number nine, the live performances, he recorded his parts two years ago. He probably doesn't even remember how to fucking mm -hmm. play the song. Yeah. Which that's just the reality of it, folks. He could have relearned it, but you know, I'm sure they're like, Hey, we don't want to put a lot of work on you. Just come up and play Crazy Train, which you've done a million yeah. times. And it'll make Crazy Train that much bigger, which is like the epic anyway. Yeah. Every football stadium plays it every week. Let's just build on that moment with Zach coming up and that'll be and it popped. When Zach walked up, the crowd pops. I mean definitely. Are they popping for Crazy Train? Of course, but seeing Zach and hearing Crazy Train, the crowd popped for that. And that's fucking awesome. And Zach lives in LA. He's lived there for like 30 fucking years now. So that was a hometown gig for him too, which was awesome. Well, that brings us to our topic for the night. We're doing a patient number nine discussion series. So Josh and I have already talked about the three singles, patient number nine, degradation rules, and nothing feels right. So what we've decided is we're starting at the top with Immortal tonight, and we're going to go track by track by track. Every song is going to be dedicated to its own show, like Josh mentioned earlier, except Dark Side Blues. We will not give an own episode to. We're going to throw that in with God Only Knows, just as an FYI. So before we even get going on the Immortal episode, let me ask you one question, Dan. Now that you've had a week to soak the album up, I know you've listened to it on streaming. I know you've listened to it on vinyl. What is the better opener, man? Immortal or patient number nine? Which one gets your goat the best? Gosh, I'm going to go immortal. And I'll tell you why. Because that's what Andrew Watt considers the true opening track. If you've listened to him yeah. on interviews, he says the opening track, Immortal. And to me, that's the vision of the record. So that's what I'm going to go with. And I'm going to say they both work. And I think you agree with me. They both work as an opener for sure. I kind of like Immortal also because I like the interlude in between songs of the intro of Patient Number 9. I kind of like that, you know, versus opening the album with it. So that said, man, track number one, Immortal, we will start right at the top. Three minutes and three seconds of fucking greatness, in my opinion. Anyone who's listened to our prior episode on our trip to Hollywood with the listening party at SiriusXM Studios with Ozzy and got to hear the album knows that I've been jacking off all over this track for two months now. And we've had the record for a week, and I'm still jacking off all over it. <laughs> we Dan, all are, no question. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Immortal? Before we get into the song, let's talk about who plays on it and who wrote it. So Immortal is written by Ozzy, Andrew Watt, Chad Smith, Ali Tamposi, and Duff McKagan. So we kind of have the Ordinary Man lineup here, which is awesome. It features guest solo by Pearl Jam's Mike McCready, 
who I'm a big fan of. I love Pearl Jam. I think his playing is very underrated, very bluesy. I think this song is awesome. It is driving. It's very old school. I think this is the band really coming together. You can almost feel that they have more chemistry here already than they did during the Ordinary Man sessions, since it's the exact same lineup. I mean, compare Goodbye or Eat Me to this rockin' track of Immortal. It's night and day. Immortal is a thousand times better. And I think we know why, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but... What do you think, Josh? I think you're spot on. It makes you wonder, was this one of the first tracks written for the album, being that Duff was still involved? You know, Duff was still there kind of at the end of Ordinary Man, right? But yeah, this track, love the opening. Like I said, it does work great as an album opener, just the energy of it. The bass intro, right into that fucking powerful riff. You know instantly what this track's going to sound like because it just has so much fucking energy coming from the riff, right? Another interesting thing that you and I learned listening to some of Ozzy's interviews throughout the week is that Ozzy wrote the riff for this song. Which well, that's what I was alluding to. Exactly. It's fucking yeah. awesome, right? Yeah. And he hummed it into Andrew Watt's fucking phone, and then Watt turns it into the riff, which is what you do. I've been at before. I know you've done it, Dan, and you just it hits your mind. It's this idea, and you just hum it into your phone or whatever for later to go back and, and work on. So that's really fucking fun, too. But this is what, for me, I love about simple, like, Scary Little Green Man was so fucking good on Ordinary Man. Everything doesn't have to be poetry to be fucking great. You know, like I hear lyrics like nothing feels right's lyrics. And I'm going, fuck, those are powerful. And that hits home. You don't always have to hit home. Degradation rules. Well, I don't know. Jack and off does kind of hit home with me. But like <laughs> <laughs> Immortal is a song about a fucking vampire flying around and fucking not dying. Right. And I always talked about that. I love those simple hard rock songs that really aren't very deep lyrically, but they're just fun songs, man. This is a really fucking fun track. So since we're talking lyrics, I'm going to go ahead and read them. Like Josh mentioned, this song is not about Ozzy living forever. It is about a vampire. So the first verse says, I come alive at the second of midnight so I can fly when the world is asleep. This is so different now, Josh, from last week, because now when I read it, I've listened to the song so much, I just hear Ozzy in my head. You know, the melody is just ingrained yeah. in, in my fucking head. You scream and howl as I'm taking the first bite, blood on my tongue, tastes of eternity really cool opening stanza i love it and i think this is no mistaking great lyrics right out of the gate there's no masking that straight up this is about a vampire yeah while we're on the topic we will go ahead and say ali Temposi is a fucking monster i when i'm at the point now when i see her name attached to a track i get excited because her lyrics are fucking phenomenal I think she's on every song but Degradation Rules. Which yeah. we believe is mostly Ozzy, right? Like, so, I think it's all Ozzy. Yeah. And he's, he's always bragging about You know what that's about, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Blood on my tongue, taste of eternity. That's a fucking great line, man. It really right? is. Yeah. I love it all. I come alive at the second of midnight. I mean, it's all really, really good, man. Yeah. You scream and howls. I'm taking the first bite. Like you said, blood on my tongue, taste of eternity. That's so good. Now, I will admit the fact that it's about a vampire is a little disappointing because when we heard it in the listening party, I thought it was about Ozzy's fucking life. Like, right. <laughs> because the chorus, if you'll read it to us, Dan, when hearing the chorus for the first time, I thought, that's right, Ozzy, you're never going to fucking die, man. That's right. <laughs> and then so, during the listening party, he immediately goes, yes, yeah, about a vampire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, I think Ozzy had a lot to do with this one, too, because he was so coherent talking about it in the show that we were at. Where like something like Parasite, he was like, ah, I don't fucking know what that's about. So I do feel like he probably had a little bit more in this one. Yeah, I can see that. So the chorus is, people will come and go, some stories never told, bury me down below, but I'll never die, because I'm immortal. Yes, immortal. 
So the chorus is the melody is fucking brilliant. I mean, yeah. Listen, guys, the melodies on this album are off the charts. This is his best, most melodic record fucking forever. So I just want to state straight up the melodies again. Fantastic. Absolutely. The chorus in this one gets stuck in my head a lot. Yeah, it does me too, actually. It, a whole lot. So the second verse, man, let us hear it. The dogs are out and the kingdoms are falling. Dressed as your friends, but they're your enemies. You fear the end because you can't see it coming. Afraid to sleep because I'm inside your dreams. Another great line right there. You know, I commented earlier that this song had simple lyrics, but when you really look at them, they're not as simple as I acted like they were. They're pretty fucking clever, right? Afraid to sleep because I'm inside your dreams. That's a cool fucking line. It's a great line. And that's why I'm glad you decided we should do this exercise because I actually think really, I've been listening to this record nonstop, but really breaking down the lyrics like this with the song not on, I don't get torn away from listening to the melody, listening to the music. You can really just dissect the lyrics and you're spot on these lyrics are great yeah they are and then of course it just repeats the chorus then the guitar solo and chorus again and the song is out right yeah and like you said it's simple and i'll be honest i've written a million songs where it's verse chorus verse chorus guitar solo out and there's nothing wrong with that i think there every song can't be the epic patient number nine i love that it's quick a punch to the face and that chorus just hits home and just really gets into your brain so what do you think about the mike mccready solo i got to be honest with you. Instantly, I was like, okay, he's shredding. The thing with the solo that took me a little time was the mix on it. Because it's kind of like bounces back and forth in your earlobe. Like it kind of goes back and you're kind of like, yeah, it's kind of hard to hear it a little bit. It's back and forth, left and right, left and right. But once I really settled into the song and could really hear him play, man, he lays down. Ozzy Osbourne's a fucking god, dude. And I think that's part of what makes the album as a whole so good. No one wants their track or their solo to be the shitty one. You know what I mean? Everyone, even Jeff Beck and Clapton's like, well, I got to make my mark. Mike McCready fucking brought it, man. And he brought the energy to that song that was just fucking perfect. Yeah, I love his solo in it. Yeah, I think it's great, too. The one thing I will say, though, I wonder if Mike McCready would have worked better on maybe a slower song where he could do more of his emotional playing like he does on Yellow Lead Better, which is great fucking what is best known for. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's kind of weird that they have him on a track that Really, it shreds, right? I mean, you could totally hear Zach Wild all over this one. Can you imagine? Yeah. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they didn't want Zach shredding so fucking much. So they fucking right, just, right. you know, build it back. But it's fucking great, man. During the uh, listening party, of course, most of you listeners have probably heard about Watt did say that he recorded this track days after Eddie Van Halen died. And he felt like that kind of vibe was in the room to just really let one fucking rip. It's great, though, that the song is high energy. The melody is high energy. High energy guitar solo is fucking perfect for it. Yeah, it's fucking off the charts. And I think this song, first of all, how cool is it? And I know you mentioned it already that Ozzy wrote the main riff of the song. That tickled me to death when I heard that, man. Because Ozzy's always said, you know, I, I just wish I was more musical and I don't really play an instrument. I play a little harmonica. But, you know, the fact that he's excited enough to just to have these ideas in his head. Hey, I got this cool melody in my head for a riff, Andrew, like, you know. He hums it to Andrew and he records it in his phone. It's fucking perfect, man. I love hearing stuff like that. And it is a cool fucking riff. It's a simple riff. Like we talked about degradation rules. Simple ain't always bad. Most right. Tony Iommi riffs are simple as shit and they're fucking phenomenal. It's a cool fucking riff, man. This song instantly sets a tone for the album that it is going to be energetic and not fucking let down. And it really doesn't. So I think this song, for some reason, has a Miracle Man vibe to me. I don't know why I have that feeling, but I think that main riff that Ozzy hummed is kind of Miracle Man, but kind of like choppy and staccato. 
Think of Miracle Man, right? You know, I mean, it's very similar to me. Not the main opening riff, the verses. The verse riff. Yeah. You know, he's hitting that E to F sharp on Miracle Man. I haven't learned Immortal yet. But to me, I felt like it was kind of like a take on the Miracle Man riff. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I hadn't really thought about it, but I could definitely see that. And it's got that fucking energy. I mean, that's something that I feel like Ordinary Man was missing. We talk about this a lot. Ozzy Records solo should be energetic as fuck. And I think this song is right perfect for it. I would have a hard time not believing that Ozzy doesn't fucking love this track. It just seems right up his fucking wheelhouse, right? It seems perfect. It's right at my wheelhouse. I fucking love it. From day one, hearing the album, you know, back in July 29th, this song has just stood out to me. And I think it should have been a lead single, if not at least a second single. I think they messed up there, going back to what we talked about earlier with the album streams and stuff. This song would have streamed so much more because it's so quick and brief. Three minutes and three seconds. Easily the shortest song on the album other than Dark Side Blues, which, you know, it's pure fucking high octane, man, the whole time. Like, I fucking love it. I could see this as a show opener. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. And, you know, you it's know? not really got a lot of lyrics. As good as the lyrics are, it's it's a brief. It's mostly just the chorus three times. Yeah. Right? So it wouldn't be something that Ozzy would have a hard time remembering or trying to fucking get through either. You know, it's not like it's fucking, you know, No Escape From Now or something that just has the oodlums of lyrics that he'd have to kind of memorize and, and so on and so forth. It'd be a pretty simple one for him to pull off. Yeah, I think this is made for the live stage. I mean, we'll probably never get to see it, but... Where Ordinary Man, you really didn't get that feeling for a lot of songs. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe the chorus of Scary Little Green Men, uh, Straight to Hell would maybe have been pretty cool live, but neither of those, and I'm just saying they're comparing the songs, I'm just saying from a live setting, Immortal yeah. works so much better for a live setting. Yeah, I've always thought Straight to Hell would have been a great live one also, like you said a second ago. I just could always, I almost can picture Ozzy's mannerisms for that one, you know, <laughs> that's how he would, you know, sing them and react to them. I think yeah. Immortal blows Straight to Hell out of the fucking water, man. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bigger on Straight to Hell than you are, but I still agree. Immortal's way better than Straight to Hell. Like, Immortal's fucking, it's, it's just fucking excellent, man. It's fucking great, great Ozzy song. Who would have ever believed 30 years ago that Ozzy would be 73 and he releases some fucking high-octane shit like this? Just fucking shredding people's minds with these fucking killer riffs. Zach Wilde, Mike McCready, Andrew Watt, fucking, we can't forget chad smith and duff the chad oh. smith is a fucking superman in my eyes these days like i am so thankful to have him with Watt working on these fucking tracks for one i'm starting to think he might be my favorite drummer on the planet i i mean that like he's i've always thought he was great and i've liked him but now that he's kind of invested in ozzy and i really listen to him a little closer like if i went and saw the chili papers today i'd probably watch chad more than i would anybody because the, the ozzy connection you know it's just fucking he is so fucking talented man he is such a good dude but also his energy for these fucking records he's so excited about them and and duff too duff's put some tweets out like excited to be a part of another ozzy record like that's a big fucking deal to these people man and mccready you know, put I, it out too and mccready put it out too like you know wow Mike's like us, man. These guys are like us. When they were growing up, they fucking watched Sabbath too. And was like, you know, to be on an Aussie record. I mean, how fucking cool is that? But yeah, I fucking love it. So one of the things I love about Immortal, Josh, is how it's not so formulaic like Ordinary Man was, where every chorus was just copy and pasted. Now they are copy and pasting choruses, but for the majority of them, and Immortal is a great example of this, Ozzy's re-singing the last chorus and he's adding these really, really cool Ozzyisms, you know, and he's adding more energy and more passion and just changing it up and tweaking the last course just a little bit. Like when he adds that, no, no, you know, I love that little shit. And that's so cool on Immortal. I think it really makes the song. What do you think? 
Agree totally. And it shows Ozzy's personality a little bit too when they have little moments like that, right? And I fucking love that. But yeah, this album's full of moments like that where he sings a little higher octave at the end of this one or just whatever. And I'm like you, man. I love hearing that. And Ozzy has spoke about that in the past, how a lot of producers, well, we can just copy and paste. And he's like, no, you lose the emotion. I want emotion. I I remember specifically Mom, I'm Coming Home is one that he's pointed out that he wanted to keep singing it instead of copy and pasting. I know that was 30 years ago, but even then... Because he wanted to sing that last chorus with just a bit more emotion. He knows what he's doing when he does that, man. One thing I continue to read about Ozzy that I think a lot of people don't give him credit for, Billy Morrison had mentioned it in an article on Rolling Stone today that I read, is how Ozzy is a perfectionist in the studio and how he's a pro. He walks in. He knows how to sing his parts. He sings them. He doubles them. It's in and out. He knows what he wants to do. He knows how to let his personality shine through moments like that. And that's why I fucking love him so much, man. So let me ask you this, and this is something we're going to ask you every episode. You don't have to give me a number. Let's say top third, middle third, bottom third. Where does Immortal rank for you on this record? For me, Immortal ranks top third for sure. It just it stuck with me from day one. It still stuck with me. I love these short, high-energy rock and roll songs. Like I said earlier, like Scary Little Green Men's That Way on, on Ordinary Man that are just kind of mindless. They're not changing the world with the lyrics. I love that, man. How about yourself? I would say it's probably right on the border of that Top third and middle third, right there. Okay. So I'll maybe track that. six or seven, I'd say five, six, somewhere. But let's around be there. clear on an album that you and I both already agree and have discussed has no fucking holes. It doesn't. Yeah. I it's mean, fucking amazing. Like we said last episode, there's a real chance Degradation Rules is the worst song on the record. And that fucking Degradation Rules is great. Fucking love it. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. I hate to tell you what my two least like songs are on the record. I do have a bottom three. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that in due time with other episodes. We'll get to that in due time. But yeah, I'd say this is right there, four, five, six, somewhere around there. So I'd say probably middle third for me. Yeah. But then that just goes to show you how fucking great this record is. That's how great the record is. And another thing I do want to throw out there again, Dan and I've said it before, but I do want to say it again. We're not trying to shit on Ordinary Man. When we compare the two, anyone that has listened to the show knows Dan and I fucking loved Ordinary Man. This is the best record since Osmosis. And that's a massive, for us, that's a massive statement. This album's just better. It's just better as a whole than Ordinary Man. And it has the energy that Ordinary Man didn't have. And it definitely doesn't have the holes. Like Dan said, there is no goodbye. There is no it's a raid. It just doesn't have those moments. Eat Me is one that's kind of in. Goodbye for sure. I heard that song the other day, just on random. And I was like, fuck, if everything on patient number nine doesn't fucking kill this, I don't know what does. Like, you know, fucking solid record, man. And Immortal, what a great way to fucking open it. It is amazing. So fans, please let us know what you think. Where does Immortal rank for you? What are your highs? What are your lows on Immortal? Do you like Mike McCready's solo? Let us know all your thoughts on Immortal. Yeah, is this the kind of track you want on the next Aussie record? Who knows? You know, we'll probably get more of this stuff, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But in the meantime, reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you think. Like Dan said, add us, like us, subscribe, whatever the fuck everybody does these days. But until the next episode, we'll see you guys on the other side. Oh, oh, okay. And in front of the national television audience. I'm sorry. When I fucking coughed, I coughed into the mic for some reason. I muted it and I went, (laughs) (laughs) that's why you thought that. (laughs) I don't know why I coughed into the mic.